0: We're working our way through "Freeing Jesus" by Diana Butler Bass. We have two more to go. Today is on the way, and next Sunday is on the presence. I hope you're reading along with us uh, and enjoying the book, learning, being challenged by it. And again, just a, an invitation to join us for book discussion on discussion on Wednesday evening via Zoom. Uh, we generally together. Today we're talking about Jesus as the way, and I'd like to start off by reading that very famous passage from John 14, verses 1 through 6. Should appear on your screen in a second. There we go. John 14, verses 1 to 6, and these are words of Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled, he said to his disciples. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for if if it is if it if it were not so would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I will admit freely that I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed or the sharpest knife in the drawer, or whatever other expression you want to use for that. I'm actually not even that great of a theologian. I haven't studied super, super deeply. I don't have high degrees in theology. I'm actually, I usually describe myself much more of a practitioner than a theologian. But I must say, for years and years and years... I've had had trouble understanding how this verse, particularly John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Has been explained to carry an exclusive message. A message that determines whether one is in or out. A message that has been used as a weapon. Jesus is the only way. With as subtext, we know what that way is. We follow that way. The way we follow it is the way that it should be. And anyone who does not follow this way isn't going to get in. It's like the crusader flag. This is the only way, and we know what it is. And it's been used in the best case as a, text for, as a test for orthodoxy, and in the worst case, to determine whether or not someone is saved. I had an experience like that myself about 22 years ago. It was during the time, which I've mentioned here before, where I was kind of in the deepest throes of what we call these days deconstruction. I was working at that time with a mission board, and they, for some reason, well, not for some reason, I know what the reason was, they were a little bit concerned about what was happening to me and whether I was still on the straight and narrow So my regional director, my boss, to put it in a more simple term, asked me to lunch. And he had me, he took me to lunch two, maybe three times. I don't remember exactly. It was certainly more than one time. And we spent those lunches talking about Jesus, about his gospel, about his ministry, about what I thought about that, about how I was looking at my ministry and my spiritual life and what I was doing. And all through those lunches, I had been as clear as I could. I thought to him that my commitment to Jesus was only growing. My understanding of Jesus' work was only deepening, and that my worship of him was encompassing more and more of my life. Because by Jesus, all things are created through him and for him. He is before all things. In him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God is reconciling to himself all things, making peace by the blood of the cross. And all of those are quotes from Colossians 1. I'll never forget, at the end of the last lunch, he looked at me and he said, I would just like to ask you one more question. Is Jesus the only way? And I was flabbergasted that 's what i 'd been trying to tell him the whole time that Jesus was only becoming more and more central to me, but not in the sense of a way as 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 a weapon to keep people out and 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 keep people in. I would like to mention one aside if you read the chapter uh, from Diana's book, and I've read it again, of course, uh, in the last week. One thing that struck me, and I think this ties into what I'm trying to say, one thing that struck me when reading this chapter on Jesus as the Way is the appearance of the words power and authority. I don't know if you noticed that. They appear quite often. At one point she drives, she describes the conflict between generous evangelicals and Calvinists saying as power, this was at Gordon Conwell Seminary, as power shifted to the Calvinists. And then she says later, as researchers have discovered about women in academia, The woman is nearly always pitted against an authority, usually a professor and usually male. These are unequal contests. The teacher wields very real power over the student, although masked with genial camaraderie. At the seminary, I wanted the approval of the authorities. And my regional director had the power to fire me. Do you still believe that Jesus is the only way? Because if you don't, I might have to fire you. And I really don 't understand how this verse from john fourteen this verse john fourteen six can be used as a way to exclude a way to narrow even sometimes as a weapon, even sometimes as an instrument of power in the light of the context. Theologians are really big on saying. You can only understand a verse if you understand its context. And if you read the chapter, you know that Diana talks about the context of this verse. This is Jesus, these are series of of chapters that are Jesus' last interaction with his disciples. You can put the verse up on the screen, I think, um, Christopher, thank you. This is Jesus' last interaction with his disciples before his death. He's trying to prepare them for losing Him to death, resurrection, and ascension. They're scared. They're confused. They've been living with Jesus for three years, day and night. And they want to know what's going to happen to us. And what's going to happen to this whole idea of Messiah and of kingdom if you go away? So Peter asked in 1336, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't follow. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't understand. Where are you going? And then Jesus says, I am the way. This is comfort. This is not an evangelistic tool or a weapon. This is not laying out some kind of a some kind of a, a mandate on people. This is Jesus comforting his disciples. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Very famous verse. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me as comfort. And I've never, ever, ever heard a sermon on the next verse that I'm going to put up on the screen from John 6.45. Jesus is again in... in, in, um, in discussion with his disciples, this is after he has fed the 5,000, the whole bread of life thing. And Jesus says, it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. He's he's citing Isaiah, I believe it's 33 here. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Have you ever noticed this verse? You ever heard a sermon on it? It's almost like saying the exact opposite, Right? Everyone who comes to the Father, however you do that, if you come to the Father, you come to Jesus. And then later he says, no one comes to the Father except by me. This is not a weapon, this is a tool. This is not a weapon or a tool. This is an explanation of how things work. And in the context of John 14, it's a comfort. When you've lost the way, you go to Jesus, you find the Father. When you've lost the way, you go to the Father and you find Jesus. Diana says, Jesus emerges as the road itself and as the light that guides. Way is a verb, not a noun. It's an experience of Jesus following what he taught and embodied. The way had more to do with tearing down boundaries between people, in union and solidarity with God and humanity, And finding God so deeply in the world that the kingdom is birthed. Walking along this way, following Jesus, and in that following of Jesus, finding yourself connected with other people, with God the Father, with God the Son, with God the Holy Spirit, and with the creation. There's nothing exclusionary about this at all. Description of what is and the way through which, the, the way upon which we go through life. And maybe you remember the George Herbert hymn that's quoted in the book that just, I think, says it in a totally different way Come, my way, my truth, my life, such a way as gives us breath, such a truth that ends all strife. And I can tell you that this verse, through the, through the years of my life, and I think much longer, has not been used to end strife. It's been a source of strife. Come my way, my truth, my life, such a way as gives us breath, such a truth that end, as ends all strife, strife, such a life as killeth death. And then Diana quotes from the theologian Norman Wirspa Creates a beautiful world, but our distortion and denial of this love leads to life's degradation. God does not give up on us or any creature, and so God works to redirect our waywardness so that we can participate with God in the healing of all life. The goal of God's love is for it to be fully active in the life of each and every creature. When that happens, life becomes heavenly. Can you get just a little bit of a glimpse of, 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 of Jesus saying this to his disciples as a comfort and then as, a, as showing us how to go about our lives in a way that connects us That gives us new opportunities. That opens doors. Remember Diana saying that when Jesus says, I am the door, she always thought you go in and the door closes. But no, it's going in and out. The door opens and closes. You can go in and you can go back out again. There's movement here. There's life here. There's there's action. There's journey. There's connecting Diana starts the chapter with words from someone, I believe it was a therapist, who said to her, If you feel like you're in a cage, why not walk out? As far as I could tell, says the therapist, no one has locked you in. The next words say, say Diana say, did not need to be said out loud as they hung in the air in silence like an overripened fruit needing harvest, except... Yourself, perhaps. If you feel like you're in a cage, why not walk out? As far as I can tell, no one's locked you in, except yourself, perhaps, except ourselves, perhaps. Diana felt like she was in a cave, in a cage. And it drove her at one point, I don't know if you picked this up, it's again a very subtle sentence, but there's a world behind it. So what did I do? I tried to jump through a window to shatter the glass and find a way out. Maybe Jesus would be in the shards. But my own terror stopped me. And Will Rogers prescribed for her being in the cage led her to a kind of desperation which led her to consider a terrible step and I can tell you that I identify with that there were several times 21, 22 years ago riding on the Ring Expressway, the beltway around Amsterdam, where I thought to myself, wouldn't it be just easier to run this car at 65 miles an hour into that abutment? That feeling of being in a cage, of being trapped, of not being on a way anymore, not being connected anymore. Because people promise freedom. Sometimes the church promises freedom. They promise that the church will set you free, but it's a lie because it's conditional. Freedom if you agree. Is Jesus the only way? Yes. What does that mean? Okay, good. It's freedom if you accept the rules. But it's not real freedom. It's a cage. Now I realize that not everyone here or not everyone listening may have experienced their Christianity as a cage. I I realize that. And I thank God for that. And it may be just a unique experience to someone like me or someone like Diana because you're theologically trained and you're in the church and you're you're doing ministry and all this stuff, so it may be just unique to us. I don't know. But I will ask you this question. What role does fear play in your life? Because to the extent that fear is directing you, that fear is controlling you, that, 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 you, that you, you can't get over or around or through your fear, it's also a cage. And the Bible's is really, really clear, in true love there is no fear. So praise God if you if, if if you're not in a cage and praise God if you're not experiencing fear, but if you are, I just want to encourage you that this is not the way it is supposed to be. God does not intend you to be in cage in a cage or to be afraid. He just doesn't. Once you start on this journey, it's risky. Once you leave the cage, once you move away from people are saying, if you don't believe like this and if you don't act like this, then you're out. Then you're out and then you go into the world and that can be scary. Diana puts it this way, Jesus as way includes both joy and loss. They're not separate roads, but they're more like companion routes. The ways of affirmation and abandonment were not easy, but they sometimes merged. Really walking with Jesus along the way Is risky and it can be hard. And one reason why it can be hard is because it leads us away from certainty. The certainty upon which you've built your life, the certainty upon which you've built your eternity. And you move out into an area where it's not predictable anymore. Where things may not be quite as clear. Where you may not have the right answer to everything. You leave certainty behind It can be very scary. But, and this is the promise and the comfort of Jesus, it leads toward connection with Jesus, with others, and with all of creation. It leads toward seeing Jesus everywhere, finding him everywhere. There's no place where he is not, but especially in the places of darkness and pain and suffering, whether that's of someone else or of yourself. You are never alone. The way you're walking, Jesus is also on that way and you find him there it also leads toward not tying everything up in a nice box with a bow the simple irrelevant and often stupid answers i heard one the other day it was the death uh, somebody commenting on the death of a child well god loved him more than you did One of the most damaging, stupid BS things you could ever say. There's nothing of Jesus in that. And living with the tension of the of, of the now and not yet, of the both and the and of the yes and the no, the dark and the light, of the pain and the joy. It's living in this tension. But living in that tension means that you're actually alive. That something's happening. And this is a journey with Christ that's both now and future. The now can be as difficult as it can be. There's always the future. Because we're walking on a journey with Christ who is the way the truth and the life.